The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to go ahead and call the City Council meeting for July 11th uh, to order at 8.42. Uh, with that being said, Clerk, would you please take the roll? Certainly. Councilmember Brown. Here. Councilmember Daniels. Present. Councilmember Garza. I'm here. Councilmember Hussein. Here. Councilmember Jackson. Present. Councilmember Spadafore. Present. Councilmember Spitzley. Here. Councilmember Wood. Here. There are eight members present, a quorum. And we are to the uh, meditation and Pledge of Allegiance. All right. Council members or Mayor Shore, do we have anybody that we need to uh, remember tonight during our moment of meditation? Seeing none, I'm going to ask that folks rise uh, for a moment of meditation followed by the Pledge of Allegiance. Thank you. You have for your approval the council proceedings of June 13th and June 27th. Vice President Wood. Thank you, uh, President Hussein. I would move the council proceedings for June 13th and June 27th. All right, there's a motion on the floor for the discussion. Seeing and hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same side. Motion carries. And we are to special ceremonies. We have a tribute and recognition of uh, Michigan State University visiting the international professional program if they are still here. And I do not believe anyone from that program is still here. Nope. So what okay. we will do is we'll actually take that up as part of the consent agenda. Okay. Uh, then uh, we have a presentation on Brownfield Plan Number 81, Neogen Expansion. Councilman Garza. Thank you, Council President. Uh, Carl Dorsmar and Neogen Group, please come down to the well. Thank you. All right, we appreciate each of you uh, being here. Carl, I would assume that you're going to get us started, uh, as well as enter, introduce the team that you have in place. Uh, so with that being said, we'll turn the floor over to you. All right, thank you, Mr. President. Yes, I'm Carl Dorschmer with the Lansing Economic Development Corporation. And tonight we have the public hearing for Brownfield Plan for Neogen. It's Brownfield Plan 81. and. We'll be brief, it's late, it's hot. So I will be brief with my intro. Neogen, as most of you are aware of, has done multiple urban redevelopment projects over the years in the city of Lansing, been a good Lansing corporate citizen, has taken on a lot of vacant schools and other buildings and turned them into a manufacturing facility. They currently employ more than 600 people in the city of Lansing. They've identified a parcel of land 
that was previously owned by, by Sparrow that they purchased, which is off of Shiawassee, next to their existing facilities. And they propose a brand new, a new construction manufacturing facility that would tie together all the collection of buildings they have in an area, make them much more efficient, make them more competitive, and keep them in Lansing, keep them investing, and keep them creating jobs. And so the Brownfield program is specifically targeted at projects like this that have challenges because it's next to a railroad track, it's an old industrial area, has a lot of issues as you'll hear. So we put together the Brownfield plan, it's gone through the Brownfield board and been approved. Um, it has gone through committee and now we're having the public hearing. So uh, I'll introduce our guest that we have on my, on my left is Jerome Hagedorn and he's a VP of North American Operations for Neogen. And then we also have on my, on my right is J.P. Buckingham. He's the Chief Operating Officer for Triterra, who is an environmental firm that helps us with brownfield plans. And then we have Matt Magahi, who is with Mayet Group, and he, his, his firm is working with Neogen on the plans for the new facility. So I'll turn it over to Jerome, and Jerome and JP and Matt will present first the project, just briefly the project, and then a couple hit a, hit a couple highlights of the Brownfield plan, and, and then we'll answer questions. So Jerome, would you please kick it off? Yes, and uh, certainly want to say uh, thanks, Carl. Appreciate Carl's support uh, through the process. Uh, a lot of the the overview of the project is included in the Brownfield plan, but we certainly appreciate the opportunity to be in front of the council. Uh, for consideration of the Brownfield plan. As Carl said, Neogen has a long history um, within um, Lansing proper. One of the uh, exciting parts of having this project come this year, Lansing is also, our Neogen is uh, celebrating its 40th year anniversary. And um, this would be a great expansion project for us uh, along with that uh, milestone celebration um, and continue our relationship with the city of Lansing, our relationship uh, as being a good community advocate um, and partnership, not just with um, the Lansing area, but the Lansing downtown area. Uh, a lot of our facilities are located in uh, Lansing proper. Uh, we're very proud of that. And this is an opportunity working with Sparrow um, and Sparrow, um, had identified we were landlocked. They had a, a lot there that was an overflow parking. And um, through some assistance uh, with uh, the mayor's office, we uh, were able to work with Sparrow um, to acquire that land. Uh, and as a result, uh, have been working on a design that would fit into the footprint. Um, but it does require uh, some brownfield remediation, so we certainly appreciate the opportunity to bring that forward. Uh, and then I'll turn it over to JP to go a little bit further into uh, that plan. Yep. So I'm sure you're seeing on the PowerPoint a little bit about the location of this site. Real quick on the history, um, when we do our environmental due diligence on properties, we do a deep dive into the history, and this property goes back to 1913 your traditional urban industrial. It was a uh, rail coal, uh, coal yard, uh, three rail lines, five rail spurs, six coal storage buildings, two office buildings, a garage, a scale, two above ground oil tanks, various outbuildings. Uh, so from 13, 1913 to 84 is about that operation took place. So 
environmental consultants get excited when we see all that type of history because you never know what we're going to run into. Um, we're usually the only ones that get excited about it. But um, we did a subsurface investigation. Uh, we identified and found an old underground storage tank. Uh, not unusual. We found a lot of uh, various volatile organic compounds. Uh, there was some naphthalene, uh, typical urban fill. Uh, we found out there throughout the property, which is not unusual with uh, the amount of history that took place. A lot of times that urban fill creates, we find heavy metals in there, but it also, for new construction, it creates uh, a lot of uh, issues when it comes to putting in a building, foundation, for foundation design, parking lot, you name it. It just, it adds a lot of cost to a project. So we found a lot of that, uh, those type of issues during our uh, investigation. You'll see some pictures of uh, the underground tank, little details on that. So overall, it's a pretty quick brownfield plan. Um, just to back up real quick, um, this proposed project is going to be a new construction, a three-story manufacturing building, approximately 176,000 uh, square feet, uh, 60 to 100 new full-time jobs. Uh, these jobs are an average of $23 an hour. And the total investment is $71.5 million investment to this piece of property that's basically been underutilized and it's starting out with a zero taxable value. So that's why it's a quick brownfield plan. 11 year, uh, 11 year plan, we're pursuing st uh, state and local tax capture. We're looking to get uh, eligible activities are all the environmental subsurface work, UST removal, which UST st stands for underground storage tank. Uh, contaminate soil removal when it comes to, uh, during uh, the redevelopment, uh, demolition of existing buildings, site prep, and infrastructure improvements. Within your packet, you should have a breakdown of what those site preparation activities are as well as your infrastructure improvements. So total costs are uh, five mil just over $5 million, $5 million, uh, 40, almost $5,043,000 approximately. Um, there's a table within there that talks uh, shows what the capture is what the eligible activities are that are being captured. And I think one aspect that you pay attention to is the uh, total new taxes that'll be generated from this plan. It, there will be a 10% pass-through uh, as expected from any brownfield plans that go through the city of Lansing. And I don't know if I need to go through each one of those. I think you can see the, the, uh, what that investment, what that money will bring to the city, as well it also shows a 20-year forecast that gives you an idea. Um, and then the total new income tax. Today, zero, 11 years, uh, just over 231,000. After 20 years, uh, just over $485,000. Um, and that's a quick high level view of this brownfield plan. I don't know if Matt, if you wanted to talk a little bit about the design of the building or? I think we can wait and see if there are any questions. Yep, okay. All right. Do we have any questions or comments from the council? Vice President Wood. I just have a few uh, questions. One is knowing that the apartment building is so close uh, to the uh, proximity of, of your construction, and we're talking about brownfield remediation, how are you going to protect that, that apartment building during that time? Uh, any any type of redevelopment of a contaminated site, there are due care obligations. Let's pull that microphone in just oh. a little bit closer. Thank you. Any type of redevelopment projects that involve contaminated brownfield sites, there are due care. There's a due care obligation for 
the developer to take measures to keep dust, typically it's dust. So whether it's uh, wet methods, if it's a windy day, um, you, we have, uh, you know, you gotta keep uh, the tracking of the mud or dirt from, from that property outside onto the road. There's a variety of things that they have to follow to uh, prevent uh, exacerbation of that contamination to maintain on the property. So it's the contractors, everybody works on this property will have uh, to follow those type of protocols. And then um, knowing that there are several smaller facilities in and around there that are owned by Neogen, your goal isn't to get rid of those, are they, or and combine this into one, or is it? The, uh, the building will be utilized to bring some of the existing manufacturing that's at other locations in together, but the, the number of buildings, our square footage, the footprint that we have will remain relatively the same. There is one building as we look at our long-term plan that's on the west um, or the north side of Shiawassee. It's the old Parks and Rec building, uh, which is utilized just to house some overflow warehouse material. That building we do plan at some point maybe to convert into some additional parking, um, but all our existing infrastructure will pretty much remain the same. With actually, we have long-term plan where we may be even upgrading those buildings to uh, take on some of the new, uh, newer manufacturing that will also be coming. Or actually, to bring on um, research and development as we grow and we move our our manufacturing, and there's also the need to continue to develop our research uh, and development infrastructure. They will be taking on some of the space that we're going to be vacating will be uh, reinvesting in those buildings to accommodate uh, research and development growth. Uh, and then my last question is, we have seen this in other areas where um, there was repurpose of a building and manufacturing was done, that it created an undue amount of truck traffic and noise uh, from the manufacturing that um, was not something that was indicated to council at the time. So my question to you is, what type of manufacturing will it create additional, uh, the potential of additional noise in the neighborhood and will it increase the truck traffic? Okay, the, the type of manufacturing that we're looking to bring in um, is right in line with our, our current um, portfolio of, of products that we have. We's, as you know, Neogen, three divisions. One is food safety division, headquartered, located in Lansing, our animal safety division, which is located in Lexington, Kentucky, and then we have a genomics division in Lincoln, Nebraska. So our products here are um, mycotoxin, microbial testing, test kits. Um, so this process will be very similar. Um, the difference that we are looking at, one of the processes that we will be relocating from a South Dakota location bringing into the Lansing area um, starts with a, a large paper pulp uh, process. Uh, and then through a slitting, we come down to a small square, which is a Petri film process, which does a very similar test to one of our, our products. So the manufacturing process will be very same. Uh, a lot of the same solutions uh, that we're using now um, will be very similar uh, ongoing. We have conducted a um, 
review of the traffic. Our current traffic for our warehouse, uh, and we think that what this building is going to allow us to do is to really optimize our, our truck traffic uh, in the area, because our current warehouse, that traffic comes in either off of Pennsylvania or Michigan from Jerome Avenue or onto Hosmer, which are two very small um, suburban roads not really set up uh, for truck traffic. Uh, in this plan, we'll be moving that truck traffic. We'll keep it on Michigan, on Larch, and coming in to uh, up Shiawassee and then on, and then it will exit back off on Shiawassee and then either go up to Pennsylvania or down to uh, Larch and out. So we think that it actually optimizes that traffic flow. And um, our increase to the tra traffic was minimal um, for the number because even though it's a a high volume, uh, it's a low density number of deliveries uh, for this product that will be coming in for us. Thank you. Councilman Daniels. Thank you, Mr. President. I want to thank you guys for continuing to invest in Lansing, especially in the first ward. Um, you mentioned Jerome and Hosmer, um, and uh, I, I'm just wondering if you've already reached out to the neighborhoods at all um, with, with uh, what your plans are. Um, because they will contact you if you have it. Certainly, and, and as this is a proposal at this time, we have not sent out uh, community outreach, um, but should the, the program be approved, we do have a um, community outreach uh, communications uh, department that will be helping us uh, inviting, you know, notifying them of our intended plan uh, and let them um, be informed of our intentions in the project. All right, perfect, thank you. Councilman Jackson. Um, just really quickly, could you comment on the aesthetics of it and also whether any pollution or waste is generated and how it's mitigated? Oh. <laughs> yes, um, so as far as the aesthetics, we're currently in design and we're working with the the city zoning and uh, building department to make sure that we're in, in coordination with all the, uh, the zoning requirements. So the this Shiawassee Street elevation is intended to, to meet the requirements of the current form-based code. It'll be a mixture of masonry, um, curtain wall, glazing, metal panels, um, and uh, kind of integrating a little bit of the aesthetics of the existing buildings that are there, but also with a, a more modern aesthetic. Um, but so we are working through that process. We're, we're in the first stage of site plan review um, to make sure that we're meeting all the requirements there for openness and, and heights and all those things. Um, so we are working through that right now, and it's not finalized, but as we take those comments, we'll obviously incorporate it into things. Um, as far as the, uh, the exhausting of, of any of um, the uh, materials and things from inside the building, we've got a specialty consultant on board right now uh, to work through that process as well as we develop all those plans. So. All of that is intended to be incorporated in, into the design, but it's still in process at the moment. Thank you. I had to get a question from my neighbor, so for him to answer, but I also wanted to know, so it's, it's two for two. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. Are there other questions or comments? Seeing none, we appreciate each of you being here, and as the public hearing is tonight, we certainly hope you stick around and listen. Thank you. Okay, and we are to comments by council members and the city clerk. Council members, uh, Council Member Garza, and then Council Member Daniels. Thank you, Council President. I just want to thank all the volunteers, all the different uh, 
organizations that's helped out over this last weekend. I didn't have my traditional contact meeting. We did a day of service in South Lansing. We weeded and planted all the nine flower planters that are on Cedar Street. So if you know where they're at, they're on Cavanaugh up to like the auto zone. They're about four foot by four foot. About a thousand dollars worth of plants and flowers went into those um, this this weekend, and uh, it was a, a tremendous effort by the community to beautify South Lansing. So I just want to say thanks to everybody that that was involved. All right, we have Councilman Daniels and then Councilman Brown. Perfect. I just want to mention the East Side Summerfest will be August 27th, Saturday, August 27th, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. on Michigan Avenue uh, on Hayford uh, between Hayford and Clemens. All right, uh, Councilman Brown. Thank you. I just want to give a uh, special shout out to my father, Richard Brown. Today is his birthday. It is 7-11 and he is 77 years old. <laughs> we have other council member comments. Uh, believe it or not, I had about, I know you can't believe this, I had about eight items I was going to announce. But because of the late hour, um, I'll announce one. Uh, so this Saturday, we actually, um, along kind of the same vein as uh, council member uh, Garza's uh, community service in lieu of. Uh, we actually have a cleanup that is um, scheduled for this Saturday, 10 uh, a.m. is when we will begin. We'll be at uh, Soldens uh, on South MLK uh, to begin. Uh, we should have light refreshments to begin, and then the plumbers and pipe fitters were so kind as to provide a lunch for all of our volunteers. Um, and this is in conjunction with, I do believe we have Aurelius Christian here uh, from the Corridor Improvement Authority. We certainly appreciate you being here. Uh, he has worked tremendously hard uh, in terms of coordinating uh, with the board and volunteers and things of that nature to make this happen. So we certainly appreciate you. Uh, we certainly hope uh, that we see folks out this Saturday, 10 a.m. at Soldens. Thanks so much. Okay, and I will just very briefly say we are three weeks out from the state primary election, uh, which also is the first ward primary election uh, this year. Um, and uh, we are still issuing ballots on a daily basis, so plenty of time to vote. Um, but time is getting closer. Uh, and with that, we are to community event announcements. If you had a, have a community event, we'll give you one minute to give us the details. And seeing no one jump up, uh, we will roll into um, speaker registration for public comment on legislative matters. Legislative matters includes um, items 8 through uh, 22 on the agenda. Uh, it's also the sign-up time uh, for the show cause hearings, which are items uh, four through seven on the agenda. If you want to sign up for any of those things, the blue uh, form with Suella in the back or the green form for the um, show cause hearings, uh, we'll give you another uh, minute or two to sign up. And uh, with that, we are to the mayor's comments. Mayor Short. Thank you, Mr. President. I will also skip a good chunk of the incredible things that have happened over the last few weeks, but we've had a ton. Um, I'll go through real quick a lot of upcoming things. So when people say there's nothing to do in Lansing, um, please look around. Um, this Saturday, we're going to have Lansing Alive at 4 p.m. at Rotary Park. The CVB is leading this. It's going to be music, carnival, all kinds of fun. So check that out. Um, tomorrow, the Old Town Commercial Association reveals and launches their strategic plan. So I'm excited to see that. Um, we have our next concert in the park coming up on Wednesday, the Sea Cruisers, which is an oldies group. Um, so that should be fun at Turner Dodge. We have the Dam Jam Music Festival uh, Thursday through Saturday uh, in Old Town at uh, the Fish Ladder. That's always a lot of fun. Um, this Saturday, I believe, is the One Faith event right downtown um, 
uh, in the northern part of the downtown from 11 till 3. Um, July 16th, the Saturday, this Saturday, we have a food bank distribution from 9 to 11. Um, I believe, I don't recall where that is, but if I can find it, do you know where that is? Uh, yeah, is it St. Cass? I don't know. I'll look. I'll look. Um, is it Catholic Central? All right, thank you. My, my council friends say Catholic Central, we think. Yes, Catholic Central. Um, we have our Citizen Academy applications are open, and anyone can apply until August 5th, so I hope everyone will apply. Um, we're going to have some bulk trash events starting this month through our uh, Department of, of Neighborhoods, Arts, and Citizen Engagement. Um, there's also going to be a community music festival, July 22nd from 5 to 9 at Let's. Um, finally, I want to thank the fantastic city clerk staff. My son is now registered to vote. It's one of the weirdest things in the world, but the city clerk staff was fantastic. They walked him through it, and uh, um, really, it's, it was a, a wonderful experience to see. So thank you to uh, Chris and, and, and to Brian and your whole staff. They were really fantastic. I got to convince him to vote for you. Now, now we just need to make sure he votes, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, with that, we are to the show cause hearings. Uh, we have four show cause hearings in consideration of orders to make safe or demolish for the following addresses, 1224 Dakin Street, 5017 Hughes Road, 5019 Pleasant Grove Road, and 3025 Maloney Street. On all four, Vice President Wood. Uh, thank you, President Hussein. Um, the first one at 1224 Dakin, and I'll preface that um, with each one of these, there have been no permits pulled, and we have uh, not heard from any of um, the claimants as, as um, part of that. Um, 1224 Dakin, the um, value of the property um, is $29,800. The it was red tagged on 5-20-2020, and the estimated repairs for that building are $63,974. The next one is on 10-17 uh, Hughes. Um, the uh, SEV uh, value is $33,400. The estimated repairs for that building would be um, $74,991.11, and that was red tagged on 4-11-2016. Um, the next one is um, 1019 Pleasant Grove. The um, SEV value of this property is $39,600. Um, this was tagged on 2-15-2019, the estimated value of repairs was $79,170, and in 2019, they did pull a furnace and water heater um, permit, but that has since um, lapsed. Uh, lastly, we have 3025 uh, Mahoney. Uh, that property SEV value is $52,500. Um, the red tag uh, was originally uh, July 15th, 
2021. The estimated value of repairs are $89,900. Okay, and we have no one signed in to speak on any of the show cause hearings. So in, uh, in onto the referral of items four through seven, the show cause hearings. Public safety. And we are to public comment on legislative matters. We have four uh, public hearings that are part of that in addition to uh, the items 12 through 22. And the four hearings are uh, item eight, a noise special permit for Pennsylvania Avenue reconstruction. Um, item 9, special assessment for snow and ice removal. Uh, item 10, brownfield plan number 81, Neogen expansion. And item 11, uh, waste haulers, uh, licensing of waste haulers ordinance. All right. On uh, items 8, 9, and 11, Councilwoman Spitzkin. Thank you, Mr. President. The first one we have before us is a consideration of a noise special permit. Um, to request to allow um, for uh, construction on Pennsylvania Avenue on Saturdays from 8 a.m. till 5 p.m. until November 30th, 2020 in the area of Pennsylvania Avenue right away between Mount Hope and Healthcare Court. Now that's already been blocked off and they're already um, doing uh, construction at this, this point, but they wanted to um, have the flexibility to um, also do construction on Saturdays. Um, from 8 to 5 p.m. They did provide notice to the neighborhood um, of that, um, of the proposed construction, and um, they're required to complete the project within the 2022 20, construction season, which ends approximately mid-November. And so they've had some supply chain issues um, and issues with getting um, materials, and so they had to start a little later and that's why they've requested um, the, the waiver, noise waiver for construction on Saturdays um, so that they can get the project completed um, during this construction season. Okay, and we already uh, got the briefing on the Brownfield plan, so we will move to the public comment. Um, oh, very quickly. Oh, did you want sorry. to speak to the other two? I, I oh, I'm sorry. Say, do I need to speak <laughs> to the? So the, <laughs> I'm sorry. What we, what we have before us already, again, I apologize, is consi consideration of a special assessment um, for snow and ice removal. Um, this is the list um, where we have the list of folks who um, will be assessed. Um, uh, fees for snow and ice removal that's been performed. Um, they give it, they usually, the ordinance says you have to shovel within 24 hours. I think it's 24 hours. Um, and um, if not, um, public service or we have a contractor come out and clear the walk for you and then you are then turned around and you are charged and it is assessed against your property tax. And so um, what we have here um, in consideration is the special assessment for snow and ice removal for winter 2021 and 2022. The next thing we have, and do I move the substitution? Okay. okay. All right, thank you. The next thing we have is a um, consideration of an ordinance to amend Chapter 1060, which is the licensing of um, waste haulers. And what um, that's been worked on for a while. Um, the administration uh, brought this forward um, in an effort to try to track um, um, 
the amount of waste and in the in the and in, in initially the routes of 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 the licensed waste haulers um, to help them um, get a handle on um, recycling habits and trends. Um, so, with those, those are the three that I have. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I apologize for <laughs> jumping in there. Um, so again, we did already hear about Brownfield Plan Number uh, 81. Um, so, and I also do want to mention that although the public may comment on it, item number 22 did not come out of the Committee of the Whole, so it will not be considered tonight uh, when Council gets to action. Uh, so, uh, members of the public, we have uh, Andros followed by Charles Hauser. I think first we have public event announcements. Uh, we already did that and no one got up. Really? So. Okay. Uh, Andros or? No, okay. Uh, Charles Hauser followed by Elaine Fishoff. You have three minutes. All right. Thank you. Good, uh, good evening, council members, uh, President Hussein, Vice President Wood, and the rest of the council. Thank you for listening me, to me tonight, as well as uh, thank you for the, the Committee on City Operations, uh, Chair Spitzley. I know I've been in this building a lot in the past couple months, specifically on this ordinance. Uh, as you're aware, when this first came out, we were the only company, uh, sorry, I'm here on behalf of Granger Waste Services. We were the only company who is actually a licensed waste hauler within the city. So this is very important to us. Uh, and as mentioned, we are now on draft four. So thank you for your time and efforts and kind of working with us to, uh, to make this uh, a little bit more palatable. Um, I know this was kind of pushed out so that we could get to the next public hearing. And I did still have some more issues and uh, I'm happy to go ahead and share those today at this time. If you uh, go down to uh, line number 23, I have two remaining issues. Uh, one issue is curbside collection schedule. Uh, as mentioned, uh, Councilwoman Spitzley said that originally there was specific routing in there, and that was a concern as a business, a private business, that this information would be public, which would allow competitors to understand where our routing is and who our customers are. I just would like to understand clarification that curbside collection schedule will not have anything that is specific. Uh, we are happy to provide we're in the city on Tuesday and Thursday, but we do not, we would ask that there is nothing that where we have to provide exactly where we are on those days in terms of, uh, in terms of our competition and this being public information. Uh, the second and final issue is uh, the wording that follows uh, curbside collection schedule if applicable. This wording is and such other information as to enable the city to determine whether the applicant, and it goes on to say, uh, will be licensed. Uh, that and any type of policy is very concerning to us as a company. Uh, the reason being is that basically gives the city uh, any option to look for any kind of information at any time that they would like to uh, in order for us to be approved for an application. That is concerning and, and with anyone who works in policy you know you don't want to leave the open ends like that you would like it to be a bit more specific. Uh, so those are my concerns at this time. Again thank you for your time spending uh, spending your nights with us and listening to my my uh, continued uh, concerns. Uh, I yield the rest of my time. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Next we have 
Uh, Elaine Fishoff followed by Harold Lehman. Good evening. Um, my name is Elaine Fishoff. I, uh, I live in Ward 2. Uh, I, I believe that part of your packet is a letter that I wrote to this council and uh, President Hussein said he would include it in your packet. That lays out specifically uh, my proposed uh, objections to the Board of Rules uh, of Administrative Procedure for the Lansing Board of Water. Elaine, can I stop you just for a minute? So actually, what I so that is not actually up for referral tonight, or it's it's not, and I should say a packet. Um, what I told you is that when we took that up, we're going to actually refer those rules to committee. And so when we actually oh. do that, what we'll do is we'll make sure that your letter is part of that packet. Okay, and so you're not going to be no. Yeah. That okay. is not a legislative then matter tonight. I will, so I apologize. I don't have to yep. go forward except to say uh, I'm curious as to why Granger thinks that uh, on item 11 on the ordinance, why Granger is concerned about com competitors knowing their routes. They have very clearly identified barrels that show everybody where, where they're stopping. So um, I don't think there should be a change in that ordinance. Thank you. Thank you. And next we have Harold Lehman followed by Larry Hutchinson. Uh, thank you, uh, City Council and uh, Mayor. Um, as a council member for 12 years, representing the first ward from 1996 to 07, uh, Neogen has always been a great neighbor. I would hope the vote will be eight to zero. Could you imagine if Neogen wasn't over there right now? We have a park, Oak Park. We have probably challenges regarding neighborhood organization levels because people have passed away. The park itself needs to be cleaned up. I was just over there two days ago walking through there. We need to do more maintenance of these parks and I know we're all trying but we need to step it up but getting back to Neogen the debates that we used to have between Jim Herbert and John Pollard were great John Pollard was an activist and Jim Herbert looked forward to debating uh, John and I'm sure you can look it up on your archives on the video but, uh, you know, I wish those two folks uh, uh, were here today. You know, Jim, I know, is uh, going through some medical issues. But um, this needs to be 8-0. to zero. And um, I would just hope that you understand there are other organizations, economic developers, uh, out, whether inside, outside the city of Lansing, outside the state of Michigan, that want Neogen. We need to send a strong message that we like Neogen, we like what they do. I appreciate Carol's questions, but at the end of the day, if we didn't have Neogen, I don't know what we would have on the east side uh, that is stable, just like Sparrow. Um, on just a small note, we had a loss of Eric Reichel, a former parks director here in the past uh, 10 days. And uh, he served under Hollister administration. And um, 
So our thoughts are out to his family, but um, please vote for uh, this eight to zero. And um, and it's just too bad uh, Jim and uh, John aren't here to debate it because it would be a great debate. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I believe Mr. Hutchinson is gone, so we have Eugenia Zachs Carney followed by Loretta Stanaway. Thank you, Council. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I am here on resolutions for action item number 19, a claim appeal regarding um, waste hauling, uh, 1610 South Cedar Street. I just have two points to raise. This was in committee. I attended both committee um, meetings and spoke at one. Um, I'm here on behalf of Leo Aran, um, and he spoke at the first, I spoke at the second. In the meantime, we also put in a FOIA request with two parts to it. One is attempting to find the license number that goes with Eric's refuse. I could not reach Eric Crutcher at all. There's a phone number that's listed online, but there's no response for months. Um, there are two or three addresses for Eric's refuse. Um, again, no response to any attempts to contact. In the packet that was presented at committee, uh, and there's no license that's uh, published on the Lansing website for Eric's Refuse. In the committee, I received a package. That package contained a couple of photographs. It showed the debris that was left in a carport behind uh, the apartment that we were doing a rehab on. That debris consisted of new materials, wood, that was stacked to the side, and it also consisted of some drywall pieces that were still being used for the rehab. We received the citation. We moved uh, the materials a little bit more organized against the wall of the carport. It was then, then there was a photograph of the actual materials in the pickup truck that was provided by Eric's refuse. Um, and there is no way that that is 11 cubic yards. There was a request for proposal that was submitted for three cubic yards and approved for three cubic yards, but it was billed at 11 cubic yards. Hence, we're looking at a $1,010 fee for something that I think is excessive. So my points are just twofold. One is the licensing issue of the waste hauler itself, and the second is just a weights and measurement dispute. And I yield the rest of my time. Thank you. Thank you. And next we have Loretta Stanaway, followed by Linda Appling. Well, just a quick recap then for the for the actual council meeting. Um, the $175 million millage issue, I believe, is just too much. I think you need to look seriously first at settling on a location, and I think that location needs to be the armory, and then that takes away the considerations of, well, if we, you know, negotiate a price with somebody, they're going to inflate it because they know the city wants that site. So just settle on the armory and be done with it. We own it. It's sufficient, it's big enough, it's strong enough, it's armored. Um, so settle on their armory and then start working on designing uh, a plan that can be expanded and done in stages. Do the police and jail first, do the court second, do the fire and training center last, and bring it down to a project that can be done in a 20-year bond and $125 million, and you might find you'll get it passed. As it stands currently, I don't think you have a snowball's chance. Thank you. Thank you, and our final speaker for this portion is Linda Appling. 
hello. My name is Linda Appling. I'm here to speak on the bond proposal. One, the city has sold off rental housing for low-income people and is apparently still in the process of doing that. To my knowledge, no replacement for that housing has been made. Uh, the city has a housing problem, especially for low-income persons. Given this situation, it is clear the city has put administration ahead of people. You are asking for money, and especially for my tax money, for buildings rather than to help people. People need a place to live, and I would be very reluctant to vote for any such proposal that did not include a place for people to live. Secondly, I would like to point out that the city continues its refusal to accept mail dates as the date in terms of having received taxes. I find this repulsive. The federal government does that, and so does the state of Michigan. Why the city doesn't, I have no idea. And the third issue I'd like to put just came up, Potter Park. Why in the world would the city put in its budget money for Potter Park? I live in Eaton County. I'm not, I don't get treated like the people that live in Ingham County in the city of Lansing. So you're in essence forcing me to support an organization that I can get any benefit from. Thank you. Thank you. And I would also indicate that uh, we received several written appeals of the snow assessment that will be made part of the public hearing record and have already been provided to council staff. Um, and with that, uh, for the referral of the public hearings, number eight, the noise special permit. City operations. Uh, number nine, the special assessment. City operations. Uh, number 10, the brownfield plan. Development and planning. And number 11, uh, the waste haulers ordinance. City operations. And we are now to um, ordinances for passage. We have an ordinance of the city of Lansing, Michigan to amend the Lansing codified ordinances by amending chapter 1460 section one in the, internet, uh, in the international property maintenance code adopted by reference to provide for issuance of trash, weed and grass violation notices and compliance orders and that uncorrected violations are nuisances and to provide an appeals process and to permit the city to abate uncorrected violations and recover costs, recover costs is read a second time by its title. The ordinance was reported from the Committee on Public Safety and is on the order of immediate passage. Vice President Wood. Uh, thank you, uh, President Hussein. At this time, I'd like to um, move the substitute. And the substitute is uh, page five of the ordinance that you have. And it is line five that includes the word administrative service fee to defray administrative expenses. That was struck in line 12 and needed to be um, added. So uh, with that, I would move the substitute. Sure, on the adoption of the substitute, is there uh, questions or comments? Seeing none, uh, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. Uh, President Hussein and council members, uh, this became, has, has been an issue for some time dealing with how to abate uh, nuisances and backyards. And normally what has to be done in order to um, abate that is that we have to get a 
court order to be able to go into the backyard to abate those issues. Um, in the first ward, there was a number of concerns about a property um, that um, they were dealing with, that law was dealing with. It was recommended by law um, to the first ward council member that uh, they put together an ordinance that would allow um, for um, us to be able to um, go forward and uh, abate nuisances in backyards. So the ordinance before you um, allows for that to happen. One of the things that um, it also changes is that the code compliance officer for grass, um, grass and weeds uh, can, uh, if you do not believe that there is an issue when you receive a notice, you can go to the code office manager and they can look at your appeal and decide to whether to approve it or deny it. Uh, we had asked that we have some language in the ordinance that uh, would report back to council on when these um, abatements were issued so that we could get an idea of what that would be. We're advised by law not to put it into the ordinance, but to do a resolution, which we will be looking at at the next um, public safety meeting uh, that will ask the administration on a quarterly basis to supply council with the number of abatements that um, or denials that have been given um, for that. So uh, with that, I would um, be glad to answer any questions and would move um, the passage of the ordinance. All right, there is a motion on the floor. Is there further discussion? Seeing none, please take a roll call vote. On adoption of the ordinance, Council Member Wood. Yes. Councilmember Brown. Yes. Councilmember Daniels. Yes. Councilmember Garza. Yes. Councilmember Hussein. Yes. Councilmember Jackson. Yes. Councilmember Spadafore. Yes. Councilmember Spitzley. Eight yeas, zero nays. The ordinance is adopted. Vice President Wood, would you like immediate effect? Yes, I would move for immediate effect. All right. On the motion for immediate effect, further discussion. Seeing none. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. And we are to the consent agenda. Uh, Vice President Wood. Uh, thank you, President Hussein. The items that we have for the consent agenda this evening is a tribute and recognition of Ingham County Health Center's board that was presented by Councilmember um, Brown um, at the Allen Community uh, Health Center um, presentation. We also have a tribute and recognition of the Michigan State um, University Visiting International Professional Program, and um, we're sorry that the students aren't here to receive that, but I'm sure we'll make sure that they uh, receive that along with the packets that we have for them. There are also reappointments for Patty Farhat and Sam Brewster to the Board of uh, Police Commissioners, Trevor Bennett uh, to the Downtown Lansing Inc. Board and John Shasky and Diane Sanborn to the uh, Saginaw Street Corridor Improvement Authority Board of Directors. Next is a grant acceptance for AARP uh, Community Challenge Grant in the amount of $6,516. Um, this will be 
um, for the installation of bike racks, traffic uh, delineations, and temporary street art. And this will be at the Sycamore in the Sycamore Park uh, neighborhood area, uh, working with the Lansing School District. Uh, next is the uh, Tri-County Office on Aging Fiscal Year 2023-2025 Multi-Year Implementation Plan. Um, because we are part of the consortium, um, both the City of Lansing, Ingham and Clinton Counties, um, and Eaton County have to pass resolutions of adoption of this. Uh, next is the appointment of Peter Jones as an at-large member of the Income Tax that's, Board. That's I am sorry. <laughs> I will stop. And I, will, <laughs> I, I was on a roll. I was just going to so, keep on going. Go yeah. <laughs> so, so with that, that is the consent agenda, and I would move it. Thank you. All right. So to be clear, items 13 through 17 on the consent agenda. Uh, further discussion, seeing and hearing none. All, the, all those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. Okay, we have item 18, the appointment of Peter Jones to the Income Tax Board of Review. All right. Uh, we have Councilman Spadafore. Sure. Uh, so uh, Mr. Jones came into the Committee on Ways and Means this afternoon and uh, presented himself very well interested in, uh, he said he's very thrilled to pay his taxes, so he really wants to make sure that he can help folks. He did, I, it's almost a direct quote, wanted to make sure help, to help folks navigate the process if they did have concerns with their tax, uh, their income tax appeals. Uh, he is aware that the Income Tax Board of Review meets never, uh, so he's prepared for the workload that would come along with the appointment. Um, but with that, I would move the resolution. All right, there's a uh, motion on the floor for the discussion. Seeing and hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. Okay, item 19, a claim appeal for uh, 1610 South Theater. Councilwoman Spitzley. Thank you, Mr. President. What we have before us is a claim appeal um, for Lear Ron um, for $1,010 in trash violation fees at 1610 South Cedar. Um, the, um, violation date was um, August 12th, 2021. Um, this has kind of been a long history. Um, it was first brought before the committee on 5-3, where um, the recommendation was um, to um, deny the claim, um, but there was no action. Um, I think um, we had an issue with they did not um, attend. Um, as you can see on the things, it the the uh, materials were in a garage area, um, but um, and we questioned why the material was taken out of a garage area, and we were told that if they can see it, they'll take it, even though it was in a garage area without garage. Um, so on, on, we met again on May 9th, and there was no action it was sent back to committee because at that time we, um, it was uh, shared with us that uh, the trash hauler was not licensed. And so, um, so it was brought back um, to um, city operations on, on um, June 7th. Um, and moved on to council. Claimant has, was asked to um, delay it 
um, so that they could attend. There were some medical issues and some others, and so that's why we're here today. Um, as so, as chair of the committee, I will move the resolution to deny the claim for 1610 South Cedar to get it on the floor. But President Hussein, I do reserve the opportunity to speak after this motion has been moved for a vote. Certainly, there's a motion on the floor. Uh, further discussion, Councilwoman Spitzley. So um, I will um, not be um, approving this. Um, I will not be supporting this denial of the claim. Um, as with the last one we here, it was clear that um, the waste hauler was not licensed at the time. And I think that in, for me, um, you know, uh, paying a, a licensed hauler or granting or denying the claim when the hauler wasn't licensed, it's like two wrongs don't make a right. Also, um, I, I just have a fundamental problem with it was in a garage, it was neatly stacked. Um, and I also have a concern about the amount that um, the hauler uh, reported. Um, and if you look at the pictures, they clearly, it clearly did not um, equal, in my mind, the amount that the hauler put down on the bill. So I will not be, um, I will not be supporting this denial. Thank you. All right, for the questions, comments, very, very quickly, um, I, I have a question. I, I actually watched, I, I wasn't able to attend the last meeting. I was in Costa Rica with 46 students. Uh, trip that we had actually planned back in 2018 due to the pandemic. It got uh, pushed down to 2022, but I did watch the, uh, the video um, and I did uh, listen to the conversation um, around Eric's and, and uh, the last claim. Uh, quick question on procedure. When we have, when we actually contract, um, and this was obviously for the administration, when we contract, uh, for somebody to go out and abate, such as Eric's. Um, I'm assuming that they go out, they abate, they uh, actually, um, uh, the city actually pays them, makes them whole, and then we go after the property owner. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Yeah, so if, if this is And so, if so if we, approved. and I guess I'm just, in general, not specifically to this one, but essentially, um, if we proceed this path, what we're saying is that any claim that comes before us uh, from that 18th month period or whatever it was uh, that this individual is not licensed we're going to essentially as a city eat the cost and really what we're saying is that the taxpayers of the city the citizens I'm sorry the citizens of the city are going to actually eat that cost yes. um, due to this particular waste hauler not being licensed correct yes. because it, I mean yes, it's, it's been abated and it's been paid okay. the only the only way we recapture is if they do something wrong if they when they is there up. is there no clause um, in the contract that allows us to claw back um, on the contractor the, the contract does have uh, the ability for us to recapture if it was inappropriately done. In this case, they can show that they did 11 yards. Our people monitor that. They review that. I mean, we don't make them cut it and try and put it into smaller versions. They just collect, and, um, and our folks do monitor that. The claims committee reviews that, which uh, was Sherry and Mark and, a few, and Lisa, I believe, are on. So they monitor all that. If they didn't do anything wrong, then the taxpayers will eat it, um, and the taxpayers will eat it. All right, very quickly, we do have, I think Jim wanted to make a quick statement, then we have Councilwoman Spitzley and Councilman Daniels. So I just want to be sure that all council members know what resolution they're voting on. The one you have in front of you right now mm -hmm. to vote on is to deny the claim. It's the written resolution. There may be some other council member that wants to, after that, make a different motion, but um, 
the third, the RFP that Eric's was working under originally just required that the license he be licensed at the time of the application, right? When he responded. If he if the work is not done, <clears throat> or if there's questions about the work, there is what we call a clawback, but not on the license issue. The new RFP that's going out for uh, trash removal will have all that in there. Okay, there was no, it was just an RFP, but no contract on the original, um, original contract. So that's where we are on this right now. All right, Councilwoman Spitzley. They were in violation of our. Oh, they were unlicensed. That's doing something wrong. That's a, it's a it's 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 a breach of contract. Why would and I and I just for me, you say they didn't have a contract, but they were unlicensed. And so as a city, you know, we're going to re, and I get that the dollars go back. You know that basically it comes out of our general fund. You know or whatever, but you know. They've, you know, what was it, $2.3 million that, that Eric's Refuse made off the city of Lansing while they were unlicensed. Uh, they were, and, and so that's wrong. They were unlicensed. That, that, is, that is a wrongdoing <coughs> by this. And, and it's not like they didn't know. We've had a long relationship with Eric's Refuse. So they were unlicensed. It, we, you know, it's, it's, in my mind, it is, um, what do you call it? It's rewarding bad behavior and it's a bad practice. Thank you. Councilman Daniels, oh, Vice President Wood, and then Councilman Spadafore. Um, I concur with the comments that were made by uh, Councilmember Spitzley. Um, I understand that there is the potential for the fact that the city could potentially um, be responsible for this. I also believe because you have a company that was negligent and did not do their due diligence in making sure that they had a current license, which was the cost of $200, which could have been paid from this claim, could have been paid from the $6,000 claim that we had before. I mean, it, the, those were out there and this person should have made sure it's it's not a new business it's not someone that just started doing business with the city i think the loophole for someone to try to say that um at the time of issuing the agreement with them that they were licensed meaning that okay so they threw their license away we wouldn't do that if we were talking about a liquor license we wouldn't do that if we were talking about a cabaret license we wouldn't do that if we were talking about medical marijuana we wouldn't do that if we had a police officer that didn't pass m coals we wouldn't do that i mean we could go on and on and on and on and um for us to continue um down this road and to continue to look at this and not bring some type of litigation against this company is, um, you know, for, for me as a council member, is unacceptable, is, is just unacceptable. And so when we're voting tonight, if we vote yes, we're denying the claim. If we vote no, then that means that we are granting the claim. 
We don't need to do anything else. We just need to make that decision. Councilman Spadafore. Um, I wanted to just um, mention too, we have a ordinance in front of us that's going back to committee, I believe, on licensure of waste haulers. Um, it appears that the city attorney has identified a deficiency in the ordinance in the penalty phase. There is, what I can see is a $25 penalty for failure to license. I don't know if that's been assessed on Eric's refuse or not, but it, it may be that I would ask the committee to take a look at maybe amending 1060.90 a little bit further to include st steeper penalties for you know, performing business without the proper licensure. I mean, what's in the past is in the past, and that's unfortunate that's happened, but there is a, a vehicle right in front of us that could be amended pretty easily, I think, um, for the next meeting, if not the meeting after that. So that was just the observation I was making. Sure. I agree with the comments that have been said, but sure. I think there's something we can do to fix this. Are there further comments, questions? Councilman Jackson. Just really quick for clarification, and Carol, you did probably the best clarification, but for someone who's it's late. So if I want to help the lady and not have her pay for all the reasons, I vote yes? You vote no. Okay. No, it is. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Um, and, I, and I certainly appreciate the comments. Um, I, will, I will be voting to support uh, the resolution. And, and just very quickly, um, you know, we have a city attorney's opinion uh, that the city council is essentially not liable. Um, we have uh, talked about the fact that there was some oversight on our, to be, to be frank, there was some oversight, oversight on the city part, or oversight issues on the city's part as well. Uh, my question, as these come, be, come before a uh, committee, as I look at the pictures, as I look at the authorizations, pre-authorizations and second authorizations, as I look at um, the work that uh, was actually done, the, the labor, uh, et cetera, it's, it's always a, a case by case and whether or not the work was actually done. Um, and in this case, uh, and I would have supported uh, the last rejection as well, um, the work, uh, in my opinion, as stated on the invoice, was done. Uh, and for that reason, um, I am not going to uh, burden the taxpayers of the city, uh, the city uh, with trash and things of that nature that had to be abated from somebody's uh, personal residence. Uh, and so with that being said, there is a motion on the floor. Uh, all those in favor, signify by saying aye, aye. All those opposed, same sign. All right, uh, that uh, motion fails. So we are to um, item 20, setting a public hearing for the uh, support grant. All right, we have um, Mr. Spadafore. So the resolution uh, failed, and so essentially the claim was awarded. Yes, so we have before us a public hearing for an MEDC CDBG grant for the um, City of Lansing. The grant is sitting in Committee of the Whole. Let me pull up the details of it real quick. But the hearing is for uh, July 25th at 7 p.m. The MEDC is actually requiring the hearing to take place, not the, um, not the city's rules and laws. So what's likely going to happen next month is you're going to, next week, rather, two weeks from now, is um, we will discharge the committee on ways and means of the grant and allow the $1 million grant to be approved the same night as the public hearing because it's a state-required public hearing, not a city-required, uh, indicating that it will not need the initial 15 days that we generally 
due for the grant. Um, this is MEDC small business support grant in the amount of uh, $150,000 for personnel and small business support at $850,000. There is no city match required. This has been pending for several months because there was some debate, uh, confusion about whether or not a public hearing was, was necessary. So it is, uh, it is necessary. And so this million dollars would come from the Michigan Economic Development Corporation um, and this hearing would be set for the 25th of July at 7 p.m. to accept and appropriate those funds. Um, and I will add that we did receive quite a bit of other small business assistance as well, so that this will, this will add quite uh, add to that nicely. And I would move the resolution. All right, there's a resolution, a resolution on the floor uh, for the discussion. Seeing and hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. And item 21, the Board of Water and Light Agreement. Vice President Wood. Uh, thank you. Um, every couple of years, we look at the uh, payment in lieu of taxes that we receive from uh, the Board of Water and Light. It's something that is negotiated um, with the mayor's office and the Board of Water and Light. For many years, we received a percentage of um, the return on uh, the uh, gross amount that was collected um, through the board. Um, it's our return on equity um, uh, agreement. Uh, for the last couple of years, we had a dollar figure that was actually um, written into the resolution that we would receive. Um, since then, uh, the mayor's office and the board negotiated a uh, amendment number six that would um, have a percentage again um, for the return on equity. Um, it passed the Board of Water and Light and is now before uh, council. This has already been added into our uh, budget proposals um, and the payments would be quarterly instead of uh, twice a year. So um, also when we look at the revenues that we receive, this is one of the top um, uh, two or three um, that we receive. So uh, with that, I would move the passage of um, the agreement with the Board of Water and Light for return on our equity. All right, there's a motion on the floor for the discussion. Seeing none, all those in favor say aye. Aye. All those opposed say nay. Okay, we are to speaker registration for public comment on uh, city government related matters. That's the yellow sheet in the back. For those of you uh, who have stuck with us all this time, I appreciate it. Uh, and uh, while we're giving you a last minute or so to sign up, um, we will move on to reports of city officers, boards, and commissions. Vice President Wood. Thank you, President Hussein. At this time, I would uh, move that all items be considered as being read in full and that the proper referrals be made by you, Mr. President. All right, there's a motion on the floor for the discussion. Seeing none, all those in favor say aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. Okay, we have items from the clerk, minutes of boards and commissions. Place on file. Board of Water and Light annual report. Committee of the whole. Uh, Board of Water and Light rules of procedure. Committee of the whole. Executive Directive uh, from the Mayor on Reproductive Health Care. Place on file. Items from the Mayor, uh, payment of, in lieu of taxes for Walter French, uh, two items. Uh, DMP. Uh, 
Reappointment of Samara Morgan to the Board of Public Service. City Operations. Reappointment of Cassandra Nelson to the Historic District Commission. Development and Planning. And the appointment of Eric Schertzing to the Board of Review. Uh, Committee of the Whole. Communications and Petitions and Affidavit of Disclosure from Terry Cannon of the Department of Economic Development and Planning. Ethics Board. Uh, and we are two remarks by council members. Council members, seeing none. Remarks by the mayor. Are you sure? All right, then we are to public comment on city government related matters. Uh, first, we have Heidi Free, followed by Jeff Wood. Thank you, Council. Um, last name is Fry, just making sure. Uh, that's okay, Chris. Um, I want to thank you for your time tonight, and um, especially on a late night. I do want to recognize uh, Councilmember Jackson for participating in dialogue with us as neighbors about the CSO project in the West Side neighborhood. Um, we do also appreciate the input we've had from city staff, and that's been a really great dialogue going back and forth. Um, we do appreciate the opportunity to weigh in um, on the limited options that have been considered for that project implementation. Um, however, our concerns come with these options that are being presented to eliminate park and green space without safety data, without traffic data, um, absent research into the total cost of the project. And so when I'm referring to the total cost of the project, I'm talking about removal of green infrastructure and removal of cultural resources. Um, and to be clear, we support the CSO project. That work needs to happen. Um, for some reason, combining stormwater and sewer water seemed like a really good idea at the time, and we don't get it. But we're here to help. Um, we are here to engage in that process so that we can have the input to make the best decision now. Demolition of trees in history, it might seem like a good idea now, but once those assets are gone, that's really difficult to capture and replace. Um, in particular to the stormwater, the error in removing mature trees and perennials can't be overlooked. Mature plants and trees can remove many times stormwater as grass. They provide lots of benefits, including mitigating stormwater. One mature tree can remove up to 50 gallons a day. So removal of these trees is really short-sighted. Studies show that green space um, actually, over time, can pay for themselves when they're retained. At a time when city resources have the capacity to only replace about 43% of tree removals, keeping the existing green infrastructure is paramount. So as homeowners, we are stewards, stewards of historic homes, and we understand the responsibility of preservation comes with a cost. Um, every time that we invest in our homes, we have to invest in that history um, with those homes, and we have to budget for them. Um, these park and green spaces actually increase the property values and increase tax revenue for the city. So we understand that designing and working around these historic features that are attractive historic elements um, do cost more. But as residents, we've watched creativity and ingenuity go into assets in the stadium district, in Rio Town, and for facade improvements. We're hopeful that we can work with the city and work together as your allies to create the best project that we can that will retain the history and the trees within our neighborhood for the betterment of the city. So we're asking the city to do their due diligence, to look into that retention, and to engage more with forestry so that they can be involved in that retention of green infrastructure. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, next we have Jeff Wood followed by Jackie Payne. Uh, I want to um, thank you for this time tonight. I know it's late. 
Uh, the public service announcement uh, department sent a, a questionnaire to neighbors on June 8th. And within that, it said they would like to take the opportunity, this project, to make some minor roadway adjustments um, for improvement of traffic flow and safety. And then they went on to tell about um, changing the triangular landscape islands and then actually removing the four smaller islands on Carey Street and Bartlett Street. Uh, around this time, I, I went on, um, the Historic Society loves to take home walks through our neighborhood. But two weeks ago, um, they, they walked down Moore's River Drive and um, the discussion was about the Progressive Era, how around um, the early 1900s, there was a, a huge movement towards conservation in the Progressive Era and changing how people thought about how they lived within cities. And that, that motivation certainly stuck with Mr. Morris with his donation of his parks and the work on the country club and the people driving and slow and enjoying something different from the city. Well, during that same time um, is when the Moores Park annex happened. Uh, a little different from that, um, in, in 1915, there's a, a, a community in Ohio, it's called um, Ottawa Hills. And um, even today, they, um, it's one of the most popular places to live in Ohio. It is um, organic in the curving streets. There were small gardens, uh, parks within the, and areas for communities to come together. And so when the, um, Standard Realty Company, um, they got the land that was in the city that was our fairgrounds, our carnival grounds. Uh, the only virgin space left within this circle of the city, they brought in um, this, this same community developer, um, Mr. Frederick L. Troutman, to design a, a community um, only two blocks from the streetcar line, but still incorporating small parks, community spaces that could come together. Well, Thank I went you. down to the, the, the historical um, library here at downtown Lansing. Thank you. And I looked at the original plot. Those six islands. Mr. Mr. Wood, oh, oh, no, you're okay. Mr. Wood, you're, yep, you are, your time is up. I certainly appreciate you being here. We really I'm do. Sorry. Nope, that's completely okay. Thanks so much. Um, next, we have Jackie Payne followed by Sheila Contreras. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. All right. Just to follow up on what um, Jeff was saying. Oh, I'm Jackie Payne. I live in that neighborhood. Um, I have lived there for 45 years this August. I bought my house in 1977 as a single mother, and I've lived there ever since. Um, Jeff wanted me to say, finish up his remarks, each of those islands 
is actually a park. It was designated as a park when it was originally laid out. I'm here just to talk about one of those triangles. I live where Cary Street comes into South Genesee and, and it goes like that, whoops, and South Genesee goes like that. So it forms kind of a curving little triangle. That's my triangle. I've been taking care of it for more than 10 years. When my late husband was alive, we said, okay, it's our turn, and we took it over. And we planted tulips and daffodils and peonies and bleeding hearts and all kinds of things. The island is anchored by a flowering crab. And I was sitting in that island this spring on a probably an early May day, and I was weeding, and I was sitting under this flowering crab in full bloom, and wild bees were in there buzzing about, and I'm looking at tulips and daffodils and all this beauty. And I had a moment that someone told me is called a Zen moment. It's a moment when you realize you have the sense of pure joy. Doesn't happen often, but there it was. It's just beautiful. And I work on that island three or four times a year, and people will drive by, and they slow down and stop, and they say, this is beautiful. Thank you for doing this. Now we say, you want to get out and help? <laughs> but it's beautiful. And I don't think it's a coincidence that our neighborhood has the lowest, is the safest neighborhood in Lansing, the lowest crime rates in Lansing. It's not a coincidence. It's because it's beautiful. It's peaceful. It's where you can really live with your kids and your neighbors. Not that the rest of Lansing isn't okay, it is. But this is extraordinary and it's historical. What the city is proposing to do is take that beautiful island, pave it over, tear it up, put in concrete, turn Cary into a straight street that goes right into South Genesee in a T intersection. Where's the fun in that? Concrete instead of this beautiful, beautiful space. So that, that's why it's important because it's beauty, and beauty is important in our lives. It's part of what makes us human. It's part of what makes us people. Thank you. Thank you. And next we have Sheila Contreras, followed by Deborah Mulcahy. Okay, Deborah Mulcahy, and then Michael Morofsky. Good evening, Mayor, City President, and Council Members. What Jackie was talking about provides a sense of harmony. You've got to protect those trees, protect that vegetation. I'm here because I support the CSO project very much. I can't wait to have our roads paved so we're not driving through minefields. But it needs to be done in a way that protects our community. I have been told by the city assistant engineer today, and I've now spoke with him, with my husband as well, for two hours on this project and about this project. But he told me that he's heard enough about this that if he had his say that these islands would not be going anywhere, they'd be staying there, but there might be some reconstruction about it. So what I'd like to task you folks with tonight is I'd like to see if you guys have some chutzpah, some moxie, 
and say, okay, enough of this. What you heard from just these few people before me, the social impacts, the technical, no technical data, the accuracy of the impacts, those triangles work as speed bumps because people have to slow up. The fact that some of our city engineers are confused when they drive, sorry folks, get your head out of the phone and pay attention to where you're going because you know what? You'll learn how to do it. Most of us in our neighborhood, we don't drive around from neighbor to neighbor. If I go see Heidi, I don't get in a car and drive. I ride my bicycle maybe, or I walk. We're a walking active community with our dogs and our neighbors and our kids. So the reason I say that I'm asking you to come forward with a motion to say this is not gonna happen is, I think the neighbors here have already shared with you, including the cultural resources, noise, what happens when you have straight streets, fast streets, noise. We have done in sharing with you what's known as an environmental assessment. You can't find that there's no significant impact to our community. You can't do it. And you as a city do not want to delay the CSO project. We don't want you to delay the CSO project. But you don't want to have to do an environmental assessment and a subsequent environmental impact statement because of the historic nature of this community and what it holds. It's just not an island with daffodils. It's an island that makes people out gardening, joking and trying to get someone to cajole to someone to help you. It's a place where people visit, even though they're tiny little islands, some of them, the one in front of me is. In addition to that safety I talked about, if that triangle is gone in front of my house and the adjacent one at 1132 South Genesee, I will end up with vehicles in front of my house. So I ask you, do you have the moxie? Do you have the chutzpah to say, City of Lansing, we are not going forward with looking at removing these islands. Thank it you. It is not an alternative. Thank you. And I believe Mr. Morofsky is gone, so Loretta Stanaway. Well, I'll start with the community event announcement that I somehow missed. Uh, the Friends of Lansing's Historic Cemeteries is holding two events back-to-back -back on Saturday, the 23rd of July, in Mount Hope Cemetery. We're calling it a two-for-one or one-for-done. You can come to both of them or you can go to one or the other of them. The first one is a free and open to the public picnic from 11 to noon in the Fratcher Memorial Garden. We'll be providing everything. If you'd like to bring something yourself, you're welcome to. But we're providing food and beverage and chips and cookies and you name it. Uh, the second part is the tombstone cleaning workshop that we're going to be putting on between noon and 3 p.m. For this, you need to register online at the Friends of Lansing's Historic Cemetery's Facebook page at folhc.wildapricot.org. It's a three-hour workshop. All the materials and equipment are provided. You do need to bring your own disposable gloves and a lawn chair if you wish to have one. It's a $15 fee or $20 the day of the event. So that is the community event part. The other parts um, relating to the prior conversations, I'm not sure if they have distinguished or determined whether that space that they're calling park space is dedicated park space. If it is dedicated park space, you guys can't tear it out. You have to put it to a vote of the public. So that's a distinguishing um, topic that should be looked at. 
And also, you know, I, I couldn't help but hear as they were talking and the mention was made of tearing it out, concrete and blacktop and whatever. This city has a horrible history of doing exactly that and it can go back even further than the Barnes Mansion, which was torn down and literally turned into a parking lot. I mean, you paved a mansion and turned it into a parking lot. So there's a lot of negative history there that you have the opportunity to overturn, go in a different direction. And um, I think that that probably is it. Thank you. Thank you. All, All right, right folks, speaker. we are adjourned at 10 10.